Let's see. Here's okay. the first bite. I'm going to slurp. Are you a slurp or a sipper? Uh, I sip. I try not to slurp. Here we go. <laughs> this is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Ah, <clears throat> but hello. You're frozen. Like Elsa, you're frozen. Yo. Hey, 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 we're the monkeys. Um, I want to sing a 30-second uh, snippet of a song that's been all over my brain. Okay. I'm going to be the next big nothing. You won't see my name on MTV. I'm going to be the next big nothing. No one knows my name in Tennessee. All right. <clears throat> Sonny Sweeney, next big nothing. I've been uh, serial listening to that song in my garage. Hey, we got to figure out how to launch this because uh, I got a lot we can talk about. Uh, we just did. That was the that was the start of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. Welcome back to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. This is episode 39. And um, if, if anybody's still counting at home along with me. Nobody and, is. Uh, I know. And uh, but next week's a big one because it's 40. It ends in zero. Maybe a pate, a par day. Is it a par day? Isn't that a sad <laughs> birthday for us? Like, is, isn't 40 like a, a, one of the sadder birthdays? It, it can be. I remember when I turned 40 and it's uh yeah, it's a little bit of I a, think all the birthdays ending all the birthdays ending in zero are sad once you hit 40. Like each one just gets sadder. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Are you kidding me? You're seeing, uh, you know, you're basically inching closer to the grave in a way that is uh, becomes more and more palpable and undeniable. <laughs> but anyway, <It's>, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, let, hey, welcome all <laughs> to the podcast. Happy to have you all back here. We got a big show. Uh, thank you well, for abiding uh, <clears throat> my terrible voice and, and my attempt at singing. But what what family member do we have on this week? Uh, we don't. We don't have a family member, believe it or not. <laughs> we've uh, we've done Uncle Dick. We've done uh, Michael is in occasionally. Last week we had uh, Christy, my beautiful daughter-in-law. And uh, and now uh, we're out of family members. I think Riley. I think Riley's next. The dog. It could be. If we can get Riley to have a uh, an adequate conversation, we're going to bring her in. But I will tell you that uh, our guest today almost feels like family because I've been knowing this guy more than 40 years. Um, and we had him on our second ever podcast way back in March. Uh, it's Ray Hudson, the uh, magisterial soccer commentator and former player. And uh, <clears throat> I want to mention one thing before we uh, get to the Tulus Dolphins uh, beating the worst team on the planet today, Sunday. Um, I want to talk about one of my life experiences that I had recently. And that's one of the cool things about um, going through this journey we call life is that no matter how old you get, there's always new things to experience. And here I went to my first bat mitzvah. I attended my first bat mitzvah. Now, over the years, I've been to a couple of the post parties, but this was the first time I ever sat in on the bat mitzvah ceremony, which is, of course, uh, in, in the Jewish religion where the uh, the 13-year-old uh, girl is, I guess, coming of age. I, I'm not sure how it's referred to, but it's a, it's a ceremonial thing. A pandemic bat mitzvah. It was. Instead of being in a synagogue where it normally would have been, uh, it was in um, the, the grandparents of this girl's backyard. And uh, we were honored to be invited. Everyone wore masks. Um, it was probably uh, a huge house. 
it was a huge house. I'm going to say it was uh, pretty damn impressive. But, was there, uh, I think like bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs are known for their hijinks, like in terms of like crazy money spent on ridiculous things at the party. Like I know Stu Gatz, I think his daughters a couple years ago had like right. you know, people eating flames and stuff. Like a, <laughs> was there anything like, you know, that you said to yourself, wow, that had to be expensive? Uh, yes. Uh, throughout the ceremony, I, I was thinking that to myself. Because Riley. Riley. There's our next Riley guest. barks in the background. That's our next guest, Riley, Riley Cody, everyone. I know she's uh, chomping at the bit to get on right now. She's barking right outside my so door. What ridiculous expenses <clears throat> were at this bar mitzvah? Well, first of all, yeah, it, it's at a house with a backyard that is such that weddings have been held in that backyard. Like people have, uh, I don't know if anybody rented it out. I mean, it's probably people they know, but weddings are held in this backyard. It's so gorgeous. And, you know, they rented a... Um, by the way, it was in Parkland. It was in Stugatz's neck of the woods. I kept expe- expecting him to be the uh, bat mitzvah crasher who was just there for the hors d'oeuvres or something. But no, they had a great spread. Um, <clears throat> they had um, Chick-fil-A was in there. You know, they had like a Chick-fil-A booth and a donut wall. I mean, a, a DJ, of course. And But um, I was very impressed. And anybody who's been to a bat mitzvah is going to go, yeah, no duh, buddy. But this was my first one, so... Um, it was educational for me and I loved how it went in and out of Hebrew and English. I loved how it went in and out of uh, spoken and song. Uh, it was a festive occasion. It's very much a celebration. And the other thing that really impressed me was, uh, and, and I never knew this before attending, how hard these kids work and how long these kids work, these 13 year old boys and girls this girl uh, was studying for her bat mitzvah since January, since before the pandemic. And during the pandemic, it all had to go virtual. So nearly a year of, of these kids' lives is spent um, celebrating to learn the language, to learn the, uh, you know, what they're, what they're doing in this, in this great ceremony. And, and it was just neat. That sounds awful, though, like having to study a lot like that, like as a kid. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds pretty awful to me. Um, but, Did you wear the hat? Yeah, they like to call it a yarmulke, or uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But yes, I did. And, you know, Greg Cody has a little bald spot growing, so he didn't mind uh, having having headwear that, that just directly covered his little bald spot. It was actually perfect. Did you dance? No, there was no dancing. There really? was no dancing. But there was singing. You know, uh, you still know. haven't told me like what is, like, they lift him on a chair. Is that a thing? Like, was she yes, like, yes. Did she you lift it on a chair? Were you lifting one of the, the legs? I was not. Thank God I wasn't. Wow. Imagine the uh, the pressure not to be the one who drops the poor girl. So what ridiculous you know? expenses? Like, like, what was the wow factor of this? Like, is this, is this just a story of Greg Cody learning what a bomb mitzvah is? Um, there were not ridiculous expenses. You know, they had a beautiful, they had a DJ, they had music, they, you know, it was catered, obviously, they had... So there was no, know, like, like... An open like, bar. There was um, no you know, live side, like, like there, was I no, went. there was no full-grown elephant. No. Okay. Maybe <laughs> pandemic, because, like, it was tamed down because of the pandemic. It, it, it could be. I can rule out the full-grown elephant. Like, I want but, jugglers, uh, like, Stugats, like I said, so maybe someone eating a flame, like, some sort of ice luge. 
Uh, no, there was none okay. of that stuff. See, now you're now you're making it seem like it wasn't a special occasion. Well, by I mean, saying what? No, there was no three ring circus. I mean, I mean, you know, that's there what were I'm no saying. acrobats. And you're the one sitting here saying you don't know much about bar mitzvahs. I'm telling you, a lot of bar mitzvahs are just insanely over the top with like right. that type of stuff. Okay, the bar mitzvah I attended, like Adam uh, Sandler, all of a sudden is performing at your bar mitzvah because your your rich grandpa paid him to come perform. Right. No, Adam Sandler. Uh, was not there. An elephant was not there. Acrobats were not there. Flame eaters were not there. But other than that, it was an amazing bar mitzvah. It was. It was. I, I just uh, really loved it and wanted to talk about it uh, just because uh, anybody who hasn't uh, been to a bat mitzvah or a bar mitzvah needs to cultivate <laughs> Jewish friends who have someone of that age because it really is um, a worthwhile experience to get to. Um, now, you, um, I want to talk briefly. You actually paid hard-earned money uh, to, to watch the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight, right? Mm-hmm. Well, really, it was the Jake Paul-Nate Robinson fight. Oh, my God. It was a spectacle. Like, it wasn't, like, obviously a normal... You didn't feel like you were getting, obviously, the most elite <laughs> boxing matches. Really? But, but I'm telling you, I mean, Nate, did you see, like, on Twitter, like, the, what happened with Nate Robinson and Jake Paul? Uh, apparently, well, first of all, <clears throat> I'd never heard of Jake Paul, who... Anybody who is described as, quote, unquote, a YouTube star, I immediately, you know, X off my list of people that's, I need to know about. That's, that's, I think that's a little dismissive. Like, it's a no, new it product. isn't. It's, it's a, very dismissive. Yeah, and I intend it to be. OK, I mean, you can hate on them all you want. It's a new modern way to make money for kids in this generation. YouTube is a thing. And. He is popular enough that a lot of people watch his. You know, that, as somebody who cares so much about clicks, you think you would you would respect somebody who's just posting videos on YouTube. You could start a YouTube channel, and all of a sudden, he's getting millions and millions of views. I feel like someone like you would respect that. Okay, I don't care about any of that. Tell yeah. me about tell me about the fight for the old ages. Uh, Tyson, age fifty four, against Roy Jones Jr., age fifty one. It was a draw, um, and th- there's nothing duller or worse than a draw in any sport a tie in any sport so tell me about this bout it was a little sad i mean tyson still had some speed like obviously he's not the same but he won that fight and and most people agreed that and since it wasn't an actual you couldn't bet on it it wasn't like officially scored but they had people there scoring it so they named a winner after even though it was not an official winner so it was just a weird sketchy situation with that and then they ended up calling it a draw and everyone kind of thought tyson had won and even roy jones after the fights like he was basically saying like he didn't think he won and i think honestly they want to do it again like that was they were oh yeah kind of hinting at yeah the reaction on social media definitely was that tyson won so um it was exciting no ears were bitten off it was uh was it a quality fight or uh or was it just two old guys in good shape for their age I was not that impressed with Roy Jones Jr. He was jabbing a little bit, catching him a little bit, but Tyson was a little impressive. No, it was not an impressive thing. It looked like two guys. Roy Jones Jr. was exhausted. He should have lost just based on To Mike Tyson's credit, they went the, the full, it was only, by the way, eight rounds, but two minutes each round. So it was an abbreviated fight. But at the end of the fight, Roy Jones Jr. was like huffing and puffing throughout all the post fight stuff and mike tyson was relatively like you know he looked like he was in much better shape at least from that aspect i want to uh before we get on to um we need to get to Tua because i i have a feeling we're going to disagree about this but first i just want to mention real quickly that um uh greg cody hosted um his annual thanksgiving dinner for a uh, select small crowd of family and um 
the highlight of the Thanksgiving dinner was what happened afterward with my turkey soup was fantastic. Have you had it yet? No. Because I gave you some. No. Okay. It's, I make it every year and it's good every year. I, I, I can make some turkey soup. The, you know, carcass is the key. Obviously, you got to make that stock, that broth with the carcass and, and veggies and everything. But it was just the best ever. It was, uh, I included rice instead of pasta. Um, I included some herbs de Provence, which were actually purchased in France uh, by me personally on a, on a vacation. And um, the soup was probably the best I've ever made. So I'm just doing a little bragging. I, I wish all of you within the sound of my voice could taste that soup. You're the kind of guy, though, that says every three years it's the best you've ever made, your turkey soup. I keep raising my bar. I do. I keep raising my bar. and, uh, and It is and always eating. good, and I'm going to eat it. So, like, I guess maybe next week I'll have my verdict. Yes, I would love, in all honesty. Or should I go it. heat some up right now and then, then eat it? You can do that if you want, but um, uh, maybe next week you can have an appraisal. And I want it to be brutally honest. You can tell me it tastes like bleep. And you can tell me it's the best you've ever had. You know no what? No in-betweens. I think while the people are listening to Ray Hudson, I will try some soup and then we'll get, I will grade your soup at the end of the episode. Oh, that's a beautiful idea. Thank you. That's why we pay you the big bucks uh, to produce this thing that we call, call a podcast. Um, okay. We're going to get to two of Dolphins winning over the hapless Jets. But first, another, just a really quick NBA Miami Heat mention because what the NBA is doing is insane. Okay. The NBA finals ended about a minute and a half ago. Okay. Actually it was less than two months ago. It was 50 days ago uh, between the end of the NBA finals and the start of NBA training camps. That's not enough time for bodies to recover. It's, it's unfair to these NBA players. Instead of making, instead of making it a 72 game season that started so soon on Christmas day, they should make it a 50-game season and start it in February. What they're doing to these poor players. These poor uh, the, players. You mean the type of players that just – honestly, that you're maybe – I mean, you are coming at this as a Heat, Miami Heat, like, writer. Like, it only stinks for the Heat. The Lakers just won a title, so they're going to be fine. You realize there's teams that haven't played since March. Right. Like, this is yes, – you're only talking about the Heat and the Lakers. Maybe the final four teams, you could argue. You know, this is a weird year. I get the it, league needing to start. Right. It, it's a terrible competitive imbalance uh, when you're asking teams that have uh, been at rest since March to play against teams that were yeah, playing these, less than two months ago. It's, it's sort of crazy. But anyway – well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, they're always the, – you can't change the fact that because of the pandemic, those teams didn't play since March. Like, there's no way – like, the league has to start again. Like, should the league start first for the people that ha- – that? what are you saying right now? What do you mean it's not right? What's the alternative? What I'm saying is the league should not be starting less than two months after the last season ended. They should be Why? waiting a couple of more months. Because it's two these and a half bu- months. It's not two weeks. These bodies aren't Have ready. Have you watched LeBron James on Instagram? He's like working out every day. Like, it's not like he's like, right. what do you mean? Like he's, he's not the average player. All right. Let's um, tell me what you thought um, of the toolless dolphins beating the worst team, perhaps in the history of teams. Uh, and uh, you, you barely saw the game because you were playing golf. But other than that, tell me I what thought, you that's thought. That's not true. Game. I was, that's not true. We had it on our phone. We had the red zone channel up and then I watched the whole second half. Okay. But I, 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 I don't uh, I want to go. I, I I'm very weary of how you're going to attack this because I feel like you're going to say that 
you know, the Dolphins should start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, that's my guess. Am I wrong? Like, what do you, what do you, you think? You could not be more wrong. Um, I said last week uh, on this podcast that they, they should not have benched him when they did. Um, no, absolutely not. The, the team is, um, is to us. And when his thumb uh, has healed and he's ready to go, okay, he should be the starting quarterback. Okay, I good. say that unequivocally. Okay, good. My bad then. I, I'm sorry for like thinking you were going to go the other direction, but no. yeah, that's how I feel the same way too. This is like, because you do, because I'm getting texts from Dolphin fans that are like saying, oh, cute quarterback controversy. And it's like, no, we know what the ceiling is for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like that's what you're arguing for. Like that's your big thing. Let's, let's punt on our future potential franchise quarterback for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I guess you're not arguing that. So I'm sorry for arguing with you. Like you're arguing. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, I'm uh, very sensitive to that. Like this, like you said, we're on the same page here. This is to his team this year going forward. And we'll see what we have with him. Let's get on to the beautiful wordsmith. The man who speaks with brilliance. That's my right. That was my Ray Hudson impersonation. It was okay. That's not good. I'm just, I mean, just I mean that's fine. Like, honestly, I don't even need to worry about what he says. I just want to hear him talk. Oh, truly. He could, Ray Hudson could uh, open up a phone book and just start reciting names and addresses, and I would be mesmerized. Alan Hamill. <laughs> that almost sounded like a former Fort Lauderdale striker. Anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Here's uh, Ray Hudson talking a little inner Miami and mostly uh, on the passing of the great uh, Maradona. Hey, Ray. Hey, Greg, can you hear me? I can, yes, uh, very clearly. I wasn't there. I'm never sure how to set these things up without me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not either. Um, truth be told, uh, my, my son is um, my producer, but he's playing golf right now. So I had to frantically um, call him on the golf course and ask him to talk me <laughs> through this. Hey, um, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. No, you're very welcome. Anything for you, Greg? I mainly want to talk to you about uh, Maradona and, um, and his legacy. But first, uh, I wonder if we can just talk a little bit about, um, put in perspective, the, the first season of Inter-Miami. I think you were one of my first guests on, on the second podcast I did. And um, at that time, I was sort of, uh, I, I wasn't bad-mouthing the roster, but I, I thought it didn't quite live up to uh, the billing that, that Beckham had given it. Uh, but I must say, after, after that 0-5 start, I thought, they turned it into a pretty credible first-year team. What's what's your synopsis of uh, year one for Inter Miami? I agree completely, Greg. Um, even though at the start of the season, um, when 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 they opened up uh, a very very tough schedule, I don't think anybody thought that they would play as well and as combined as what they did. Um, it looked as if it was coming together really impressively. Uh, tight games that they lost, but always competitive. And it looked as if it was going to be really a bit of a surprising season for an expansion team. And then during the uh, this catastrophic year that we've had when the coronavirus started to, to break out and, and take a grip of the world, um, the effect seemed to be perpetuated in into Miami's team with bad luck, following bad luck, uh, losing key players uh, as the season went on, losing the captain. Uh, the new signings would come in, world-class players undoubtedly, 
But the integration uh, into a landscape like this uh, was a mission impossible for this coach, Diego Alonso. I think he made some mistakes along the season. Um, his pragmatism um, a, 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 a little bit came to the fore um, with a team that is uh, looking as if they could really explode. But, you know, that's all debatable. That's just the way the, the game goes sometimes from game to game. But all in all, I think when we look back into Miami's first season, they had the devil's luck in, in, in so many situations. And that cannot, it's not a thing read to hang an analysis on that they were unlucky. They had the devil's luck this year. What I will say, Greg, is that I think into Miami, this was more like a soft opening for them, a situation where the crowd wasn't in full attendance and may have been a little bit more critical and demanding of them. But who knows? That might have turned them into a better team. It's all for gossip. Uh, at the end of the day, they came through with some memorable performances. I felt as if this was my local team. I felt a, a real attachment to this side. When they lost, I felt anguish. I felt a, a pain. I really did. Um, and when they won, I just felt better. Now, I didn't expect that. And that attachment uh, formed throughout the season and it ended with, with disappointment. But that's the way it goes with football. I really look forward to a return to normalcy for this team and in a packed stadium because uh, the atmosphere in, in MLS and in all of soccer and football is, is so dependent on the crowd to me. And, and I really think that, um, that the crowd would have lifted this rookie team yeah. had, it, had it been there in full. So that's going to be something to, um, to look forward to. Um, and and the, I've got to say, you know, the, the few times that there were like cameo performances by the crowd, uh, the, the fanaticals that filled the crowd sparsely, but uh, it was an indication that, that was one of the best games. I can't remember who they were playing against, but when that game where they let the crowd in, they played some of their sharpest, quickest, synchronized football, and they responded to the crowd. So, they, as I said, I'd go to my grave saying they had the devil's look this season and hopefully next year, next season, um, it'll be a lot better. Ray, I want to turn, I, I promise I wouldn't keep you too long, so I want to turn to the, the passing of Maradona. Um, it's a seismic um, uh, death in, in the sports world, the international world, the football world. Pelé scored more goals. Uh, Messi probably won more trophies. What is it about Maradona that, that puts him in that echelon? Well, he is definitely on a planet, in my eyes, uh, of a population of three on the greatest footballers that ever played the game. Um, there's Pelé, there's Maradona, and there's Messi, in my opinion. It's all debatable. There were other great number 10s, you know, Ronaldinho was another one, George Hadji was another one, Zico, Totti, these were magisterial footballers. But those three, the three from South America, the Latin influence, for me, they were the most beguiling. Maradona was different to Messi and Pelé in so many ways. He was a PB. That means he came from the gutter. He was a player who never forgot that and would fight all of the acclaim that he got for being a people's man. That's why he was so revered in Argentina. 
whereas Mess left at a very young age, uh, but still had that brilliance of Maradona. Maradona did it in a way, and at a time, Greg, where the brutality in the game was 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 machete-like. I mean, the players carried machetes in their jock straps to tackle him. <laughs> he was kicked off the park. It was the same with Pelly. Messi gets a lot more protection now. Thank God. They kicked all of that goikochia uh, in, in his lake. The butcher of Bilbao that hurt Maradona so badly broke his ankle. And he had to fight against all of these incredible mountains. Um, for, for Napoli in particular, he was the player who really inspired a team, especially at a time when Italy in Serie A had inarguably the best league in the world, the biggest stars in the world. The pressure was more intense and he went to Napoli and, and won, won two Serie A titles with them. Um, you know, that not seem much up against the, 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 the silverware that Messi uh, brought. But you can't compare Pelé with Messi and Pelé with Maradona and Messi with Pelé. It, it, it's, it's futile. For me, Greg, I'll say this. Maradona had his faults, had his flaws, but it was as a human. It wasn't as a player. In a player, he personified everything that you want as in a footballer. He had the heart. He had the drive. He had the desire. He had the damn the torpedoes. He was, they were, his curry was facing a war with, with England, and he dragged them through a, a, a game that gave us the hand of God and the feet of God as well. Uh, an astonishing player at a time where... We only glimpsed at these aliens. We didn't get to see them every five minutes on being sports and on on, on ESPN. You, you, you only saw them really in the big tournaments in the World Cup and in very few highlight reels of, of, of this player coming out of Argentina that is the size of a little bull but covered with eyes, covered with eyes and the, the delicacy and touch of a ballet dancer. Uh, he was such a, a leader for his country um, and, and for his clubs as well, revered. And I don't like talking about his flaws because it was all as, as, a, as a human. And, and, and maybe human side of nature let him down as well. Maybe that's what, that, they could have helped him more. They could have protected him more. Uh, but at, at that time, in that era, that wasn't the way. And he was seduced by maybe weaknesses in his own psyche, and yet he rose above it. And, and that's what made him so beloved in Argentina especially, and why there will only ever be one greatest of all time in Argentina's eyes, and it will be uh, Diego Armando Maradona. Yeah, Ray, you, um, you allude to the, the human frailties that are a fascinating part of the overall portrait of this man because he, he spent a couple of decades uh, in the throes of a, of a cocaine addiction. He had health problems. He even had financial issues. But again, he was, as you say, off the field, he had his demons, but on the field, it was pure magic. I mean, yeah. it, you know, one of a kind. And, and you alluded to um, the 86 World Cup. I think it was a quarterfinal against England, right? And yeah. Argentina won 2-1 on arguably two of the most famous goals 
in, in the sports history, the hand of God gold and, and then the winning goal, which is, has been called the goal of the century. I'm curious, you were still playing then. Uh, I, I think if, if memory serves, you were with the Minnesota Strikers indoor team yes. ar- around that time. How did you watch that game? What do you remember about watching that game live? Well, the the handball, of course, was the the defining moment where England all appealed in the instant and how the referee didn't uh, recognize it um, is one for the history books. Um, It it has to be remembered in in South America, those sorts of those sorts of things aren't called cheating. They're they're called they're given a different moniker. Um, in England, of course, who we remember were in the war against Argentina for the Battle of the Falklands, the Malvinas right. Islands. Uh, Maradona would have done anything. He was leading his country because they were losing on the war fields. And this was his moment. And he was not going to be denied. The goal was, was stunning with the hand with the handball. It seemed in lifetime as if you could see it when he beat Shilton. I still question Shilton for not coming out and getting the ball with a higher punch, but that's again debatable. The the the, the next goal uh, took away all of the 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 uh, debate about whether he was uh, a genius or not. Uh, the manner in which he scored the goal again is revered because it's skullduggery, it's a gamesmanship in Argentina and South America by and large. But in England, it's the Corinthians way of playing. You can't do that. It's not cricket. It's cheating and all of the rest. Well, he got away with it. But then in the second one, he defied everything that we see in a football. The the balance was was staggering. There's a great statue in, 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 I think it's in Buenos Aires. I'm not sure. Maybe outside in the provinces, uh, outside the big city. But there's a there's the, the erected statue to that great goal where Maradona beat five players in the goalkeeper. And what they have done, Diego is in the statue. They are the four or five English defenders. They are the statues. <laughs> and it's in a park where the kids can get their ball and the players, the English statues, were made to look like statues, are spread out. So a young player can get the ball and dribble through them, just like Maradona did. Oh, that's great. He left England in acid. Uh, And one of the greatest goals of all time, arguably the greatest ever in the World Cup. Magical moment. And it just... You, watching it, you just threw your hands up and your mouth, you had to pick your jaw up off the floor <laughs> because we witnessed God in football boots. Uh, Ray, uh, you and Maradona, roughly the same generation. Um, did you ever meet him? Never. No, no. I, I met a player who I regarded to be his equal in one Roman Raquel me uh, and, and Messi, of course. But I never met Diego. I never had the opportunity. Um, I, I, there was one where he was attending. He was in Barcelona when I was there for uh, a, a game. But uh, our paths never crossed, and um, he was uh, he, he, again. I never, I never got the opportunity to to, what, to meet him. What, Ray, what was the uh, uh, a pinch me moment for you in in your long career in the sport? Uh, someone you got to meet where you were in awe or 
sort of couldn't believe that you're in this person's company? It, it was Raquel for me. His, the other Boca Juniors number 10, who for me was uh, the equal of any number 10 that ever played the, the game. And I'm in a hotel in Buenos Aires where Boca Juniors were staying uh, the night before a game. And uh, everybody, the people I knew, knew how much I was in love with this player. I was in love with him. I didn't revere him. I didn't like him. I loved him. And he was standing there. He had a, a, he had a, a dressing gown on and he had flip-flops. Again, another PB, another, another kid from the streets from the barrios, pure barrios. And uh, he, he, he didn't smile. I walked up to him. I spoke a little English. He looked at me. He gave me a little smirk because he knew how much I was gushing towards him. Right. He shook my hand and that was it. And uh, I don't think I washed my hand for a month after that. <laughs> That's great. Um, Ray, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go. It, it's always a, a genuine pleasure to catch up to you. And, and nobody... Uh, knows the sport better or describes it uh, more wonderfully than you do. Yeah. How do I plug everything you do? You're, you're, you're in B in Sports America, uh, Sirius uh, XM FC channel. Uh, what else you got going on? And is it, the is it, situation, but that's uh, in hibernation now. But yeah, Sirius XM FC in the mornings on channel 157. And of course on B in Sports for all of their great coverage. And thank you so much for being an occasional uh, drop by uh, on my podcast. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks, Ray. And back at you, Greg. You're the best. And I love you. And you take care, you and your family. Good. You too. Really appreciate it. All right, Ray Hudson, thank you as always. That was great. Um, I always enjoy that man's uh, mellifluous expertise in all things um soccer and now chris cody i see you have some of my uh locally famous turkey and rice soup and i would like you to uh, appraise it it does look really good um good. i'm not gonna lie it looks very similar to every year but okay but the problem is i did the old thing where i zapped it too long it's really hot right now oh yeah scalding yeah and i don't know let if it you cool want. off for five minutes you want to start mount gregmore and we'll just do it at some point when it cools yeah down. let's let's do gregmore that, that'll be a good amount of time for the soup to cool down to uh, an edible temperature. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. We are well into the fourth quarter of the love it or hate it Mount Gregmore name game. The V's. It's a minor consonant V, but we lavish upon it the respect it deserves. Each week, we give you the top five most popular first names of a given letter based on U.S. government records over the past hundred years. But instead of five V names in the overall top 100, there were only three. I, you mentioned this is the fourth quarter of the Mount Gregmore, and I really just hope this is not one of those fourth quarters with a bunch of timeouts in it, and that we can get this fourth quarter, you know, in the books, maybe a lot of running, a lot of running the ball this fourth quarter. <laughs> you know what? It, uh, there's also the prospect of overtime. We may start making up uh, letters and extend the alphabet. You never know. Nice. Um, okay. So there are only three V names, and here we go. Number three, Vincent. Number two, Victoria. And the number one V, Virginia. Really? Boy. Oh, boy. Man. 
<laughs> this could be a challenge. I feel like there were such better options for those other two names. I know. I got to admit, this could be a challenge. Hey, no Ginny's here. Just no pick, you should have just picked one of the other names. No, no Ginny's would, here. Vinny, that would have been no. so good for Vinny. God, I know, but it wasn't Vinny. It was Vincent. Um, we got to be legit as always. Okay, let's go. First, our honorable mention. She is one of the most forgettable Sesame Street characters ever introduced. <laughs> one not destined for the Muppet Hall of Fame. Introduced in 2008 as an Indiana Jones type adventurer, it's Virginia, Virginia. That's right. It was, a, it, was a, it was a funny line, you saying one of the most forgettable Sesame Street games. It really was. I had to look it up. I'd never heard of her. Number five. In 1897, an eight-year-old Manhattan girl asked her father if Santa Claus really existed. The dad suggested his daughter write and ask the New York Sun newspaper. A week later, the Sun wrote what would become the most reprinted newspaper editorial in the history of the English language. The little girl was named Virginia O'Hanlon. The famous editorial was headlined, Yes, Virginia, There Is a Santa Claus. How about that? Number four. She was famous by marriage and by notoriety. She was only 13 when she married a man of 27, and they were first cousins. I guess back then it wasn't that scandalous. He was the famous poet Edgar Allan Poe, his cousin Brian was Virginia Elizabeth Clem Poe. Mm. Number three. <laughs> when a non-committal mm. I mean <laughs> number <laughs> number three. I'd never heard of this person, quite frankly. But in researching the V's, her name kept coming up. She's an American actress who starred in a string of successful teen movies in the 80s and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in the wonderful 2004 comedy drama that I love called Sideways, Virginia Madsen. Do you know Sideways? I don't. Oh, it's great. It's it's, it's set in uh, wine country in Northern California. It, it stars, um, who's it star? Uh, who's that? Uh, Paul Giamatti, who's one of my favorite actors. Anyway, uh, check it out if you haven't Sideways. Number two from Great Britain. She was one of the most successful women's tennis players from the late 60s through the 70s, winning three majors, including the US Open in Wimbledon and rising as high as number two in the world rankings, Virginia Wade. Only four more letters, folks. And, <laughs> and number one, she was a British writer, considered one of the most important modernist early 20th century writers who pioneered stream of consciousness as a narrative device and is seen by some as someone who inspired the feminist movement. Her notable works included Mrs. Dalloway, To the Lighthouse, and A Room of One's Own. Edward Albee wrote a play that included her name in the title. Alas, she lived with mental illness and in 1942 at age 59, ended her own life in an intentional drowning. She was Virginia Woolf, Queen of the V's. <laughs> Next, next week. Not, Boy, that not, ended on a downer. I'm not laughing at that 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 she died that way. That's terrible. I'm saying. Right. I'm laughing at how absurdly obscure that list of names was. You just right. <laughs> yeah, and Albie's play, of course, was called "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf." Um, next week, we move on to the alphabet's last major letter. I think W. After that, we scramble to find X's, Y's, and Z's. 
to bring this around the word cruise back to port. Mm -hmm. Can you guess the reigning W? See if you're right. Next episode. <laughs> How about that? I'm trying to put a lot of drama in this by lowering my voice and kind of whispering. All I know is that we were recording this and it's almost halftime of this Chiefs Bucks game. And right now the Chiefs are covering. And just so you know, Daddy needs the Chiefs to cover because it's been a rough week. Okay. Been a rough week uh, against the uh, evil uh, point spread, has it? Yeah. I hear that. I mean, I'm on a run with my picks. I don't know how I'm doing yet. Did you pick uh, Kansas City? I did, yeah. Good. Uh, what was the line? Minus three and a half. Okay, I picked Kansas City to cover. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a big number for uh, no, Patrick Mahomes. Like to... Whenever the Chiefs play good teams, you have to take the Chiefs because you get the Chiefs at, a, at a, a reasonable number. Like, you just can't not take the Chiefs. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap it up for this episode, shall we? Are you going to cry or you just can't talk? I'm emotional because, uh, you know, Maradona <laughs> died. and We're know, turning 40. It's crazy. We, I'm, it's amazing. Uh, podcast family, it's all account of you and your loyal support. We know you're going to check us out every single week and rate, subscribe, and review, and then unsubscribe. What is the thing about everybody says unsubscribe? Oh, I don't know. Just again. let's get the hell out of here. I know. Let's get the <laughs> hell out of here. Uh, how's my soup, by the way? Oh, that's right. Wow. That would have been terrible if we did it. <laughs> oh, all right. Here we go. It's Oh, it's perfect. All right. I mean, perfect in terms of temperature. Let's see. Here's okay. the first bite. I'm going to slurp. Are you a slurp or a sipper? Uh, I sip. I try not to slurp. Here we go. It's <laughs> good soup. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it turned out really well. Maybe I'll give out my recipe uh, on the Levitard Show Tuesday. Or next week on this podcast, for that matter. This reminds me of Billy Madison when he's eating soup. It's good soup. You're a noisy soup eater. Good Dad, soup. we're doing a podcast. I'm trying to be loud, like, as, like, so the... Oh, I get it now, yeah. Because it's an audio thing. I want the audience to know, like, if I would have just sat right. here... Like, all right, here we go. This is what my dad wants me to do. Right, you gotta have people realize well, that you're actually. Like, taking I'm a like sip. being very clinky with this. Like I'm. Yes. No, that's good. You're I want a pro, man. I'm gonna slap you in the back of the head through this computer right now. <laughs> you it, really let's are end a pro. This episode. Oh, the the cheat. Oh, they almost. Damn it! All right, let's get out of here. All right, we're out of here. Podcast family, we love you. We'll see you next week for the big four zero. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. <laughs>